Why did you not tell me about the Illuminati? You were only a child. You could have written in your journals. You never mentioned it, not once. Lara, I burst to tell you everything. But in the fierceness of my own battles, I strove to tell you only that which would inspire you and keep you safe. I love you so much. But I've missed you. And I've missed you. I know why you came here. Why you took the power of the light. This must not happen. Why? Why can't we use the power just this once? Why can't you stay? We can't change time. But time was stolen from us. And it's not fair. No. It's not fair. But you have stolen time itself. And you must give it back. Hey everybody, I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver linings. And we are drawing video game adaptation month to a close. Game over, man. Game over. No continues, no extra lives. No this cheat codes. And, <clears throat> and we're closing it out with the one and only Angelina Jolie as the one and only Lara Croft colon Tomb Raider. Not colon tomb. <laughs> that sounds Wait. like that's no, no. That's, <laughs> yes, she's raiding colon tombs. <laughs> I think that's just a fancy way to describe a proctologist. <laughs> and that's. I thought this whole movie was an allegory for proctology. That's that's was my read on it anyway. That's your read on most movies, though. Okay, fair. Yeah, but most movies are an allegory for proctology. <laughs> Let's be real here. <laughs> Hook. Uh, clearly hook <laughs> yeah a bridge I, too far <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I, I really want to do a third Gattaca. there you go okay i was like do we do rule of threes or do we move on but no we, we do rule of threes okay. we're, we're we're seasoned improvisational veterans that's so. true yeah so yeah i gotta be honest so we're closing out video game month and this felt like on paper for sure the right movie to do. This is a big franchise. Uh, this is definitely a maligned movie. But I'm going to be honest. I don't know that I'm the right person for the to discuss in any kind of great depth the Lara Croft franchise. I have never played it and I am only vaguely familiar with it. So I'm going to start with that caveat. So take everything I say after this with a huge grain of salt. Yeah, I'm going to... I'm going to double with that where uh, since I've only ever owned Nintendo systems, I never got to play the Lara Croft games. Yeah, I think that was part of it, too. Right. Like that they were because I was also Nintendo do or die back in the day. I have an Xbox now, but like in the, the formative years when I cared. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I only ever played Nintendo games. So, yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah, I had no frame of reference with these Lara Croft games. I, I vaguely remember seeing them and other people playing them but i i remember their ubiquity because they were i mean it was a huge yeah, yeah, yeah. like the tomb raider games were hugely popular games 
Um, but I didn't have a PlayStation, which I'm pretty sure was the system they were on. I think so. Yeah, same. I never had a PlayStation. So um, one or two or three or four or five. So yeah, and I look. Y- if you're listening, PlayStation, I, I don't like what you're doing with these Spider-Man games. I like Spider-Man. I want to play Spider-Man. I don't own your system. Just throwing that out there. So one of two things, either uh, stop it and make it available on other systems or send me an Andy PlayStation 5s. I'll, either is fine. I, whichever one you think will cost you less in the long run. Right. So look, and if you say you don't even have to say I'll I'll buy. How about this? I'll buy the Spider-Man game. Yeah, I'll buy I'll buy the Spider-Man and the Avengers game that has Spider-Man in it. Yeah, which I own for the Xbox. But of course, you can't have Spider-Man in that either. Right. So I just think you yeah, guys aren't so being you cool. Release him to the world yeah, you guys or send us PS5s. Yeah, either one. Because you guys aren't being cool with Spider-Man. I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. Like it's you're not... being cool with the movies by letting uh, Tom Holland do his thing with the MCU. Mm-hmm. Well, until this next one. Well, you had been cool. Yeah, we'll give you that. So now that you're taking him away from the MCU, just send us PS5s and or uh, make the games available for other systems. Yeah, and I I think that's I think we're being reasonable here. You're the ones that are being unreasonable, PlayStation, Sony. Yeah. He's the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, and I want to play his games and do the open world and the web shooting and whatnot. Yeah, I want a web sling. Yeah, that's all I want. Because, man, did you ever play that? <laughs> this is not the Spider-Man podcast, but did you ever play that, like, the original one where you could, like, kind of swing around the city? That game was so fun. Yeah, that was a good time. The, yeah, and I miss it. So, yeah. So, instead, I have to keep playing Skyrim. Uh, Skyrim's a great game. Yeah. I'm not complaining. I mean, I am complaining, uh, but send me a PS5. Anyway, uh, Laura Croft Tomb Raider. Yeah, so uh, we are not experts. I think is is getting back on track. We are not Tomb Raider experts. Um, but I feel like you could make an argument that neither were the filmmakers. Yeah, I was going to say, as not an expert, I, I think I feel confident in saying that this film did not hit the mark of what... It got a sequel. We should mention that. They made a follow-up mm-hmm. to it, but I think both it and the sequel are not terribly uh, well-liked. And in fact, there was a more recent re- reboot of the franchise uh, with Alicia Vikander that I don't know if people liked more or not. I think and, it was more well-received. I don't know yeah. if it was actually fully well-received, but... Yeah. So... So, so now, luckily... Joel and I are experts on watching malign movies and finding their silver linings. Yeah. So Undefeated. we won't be able to analyze this from a video game standpoint as much, but we can look at it on its merits as a piece of cinema. And that's what we're going to do here over the next seven hours. <laughs> uh, because we have the time triangle. So we're going to be talking about it and then backing up and then talking about it from a different angle and then talking about it with John Voigt. At the end. Yes. Yeah. He'll be here later. Yeah. Which, um, can I, this is, I don't know, it's just an observation that I have, and I honestly thought it for the first time listening to that opening clip. Is it just me, or does British John Voight sound like Anthony Hopkins? Well, oh my God, I had the exact same thing. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah, no, I was, I was, I'm glad you brought it up. I was like, he is doing an Anthony Hopkins impression, I think. And it's a, it's a decent Pretty Anthony Hopkins. One. Yeah. I, you know, like... 
Anthony Hopkins doing narration is great, like in all the things that I've seen it in. So be, John Voight, I'm not telling you how to run your career, but, you know, if people can't I mean, get Hopkins. A Hop has two Oscars. Yeah. I don't think Voight has any. No, he has one. Did he? Yeah, I think he he got one, I think. Because they made a deal out of he and Angelina being a father-daughter duo. Which, hey, I know we're getting off on tangents here, but how about that, right? So maybe this is a place to start. He plays her father in this movie and in real life. do casting. Yeah. In both, like, yeah, I think what's wild from what I know is the idea that uh, this is a movie where she greatly misses him and desperately wants him in her life, which I don't think <laughs> panned which, out. I don't think is the case in the, in the real world. Yeah. I don't think that ended up happening after this movie. So not because there's, of this movie, but just no, in general, there, there's, there's a degree of estrangement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. So I know we said we weren't video game experts, but I do want to say, I appreciate this movie for being completely original in that, something that's never been done in a video game where you have a protagonist uh, raiding temples and tombs Mm -hmm. to assemble pieces of a triangle in order to control time. Yeah. That's never happened in a video game ever. No, it definitely hasn't. Because I would know about it. I mostly play Legend of Zelda games, but I'm pretty sure I still would have heard about it if any franchise. Legend of Zelda is definitely my number one franchise, and I can't... So if they um, had... if was like a legend, someone along the way would have done that. Yeah, like, but if Legend of Zelda had uh, done all of that, you know, time travel and triangles and, uh, you know, tombs, I would know about it. Yeah. One would think. Yep. But yeah, no, so kudos for doing something original to start off right off the bat. Well, and then making that into a movie because there aren't a lot of famous movies where some kind of archaeologist figure is uh, dealing with supernatural tomb raiding either no i can't think of like if someone were to raid like a lost ark or something like that yeah or a temple of doom yeah or maybe go on one last crusade yeah or shia labeouf (laughs) (laughs) um anyways yeah no this uh yeah this movie uh i mean let's just start at the beginning lara croft is a tomb raider and we meet her training to be a better Tomb Raider by fighting a robot. Yeah, she's in her house. She's fighting a robot under some kind of simulation. But the robot is trying to kill her. And then she kills the robot. And then the guy who made the robot is upset that she, that killed, she killed the robot. Yeah. So that's where we start. And I don't know if I missed this, but bullets had no effect on the robot. Right, but then it seemed to damage it, but it didn't stop it. Yeah, but her bare hands were able to tear the robot apart. Yeah. Well, also she said stop and it stopped. Eventually, yeah. that Because like, she thought she beat the robot, then the robot came back and she said stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And None of that paid off when she was in the tombs fighting giant statues like it didn't seem related like you would have thought that they would have like foreshadowed something there or taught her a skill or revealed a weakness that then later in the film 
when she's actually fighting uh, rock monsters in a tomb that as she did, you would have thought that it would harken back to that opening scene training. I do love that they used uh, the B-52 song, Rock Monster. Yeah. In the movie. A rock Monster! Uh, yes. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, she's an orphaned, rich uh, archaeologist who wears short shorts and enjoys showering, but won't wear a dress. No. These are all the things we learn about her in the first act. Uh, there's Ian Glenn, who makes his second appearance as a villain in a video game movie, shows up to, uh, he wants this triangle that is broken in half. I don't know why, because again, it's never been done before, but some part of me is like, it would have made more sense triangle shape to like break it into thirds. Yeah. But, like uh, yeah, like if there's like the three like a triangle three and they create and some kind of force them together yeah when you put them together uh but yeah so there's two halves of the triangle and he's trying to find it and also she's trying to find it and there's a clock and there's some nonsense about five thousand years and the planets being aligned uh and also daniel craig is there yeah Literally, that's everything you need to know about Daniel Craig in this movie. He is also there. I didn't understand his character and one of the silliest things to happen in this movie, which is saying a lot because there's a lot of nonsense in this movie, is there's a scene. I mean, there's many scenes, but there's one scene in particular where it's just all that's happening is Daniel Craig talking to Angelina Jolie and they are both doing silly accents that are not the like she is doing a British accent and he is, I think doing an American accent, but not one I recognize. And I'm not sure where yeah. he's supposed to be located. I will say Angelina Jolie's way closer to a posh British, British accent. Her accent's than, fine. It's, yeah. it's honestly not bad. Uh, it's, then it's just sort Daniel of vague British. any American accent. Yeah. And I, I love Daniel Craig. Yeah. I, I, I'm a huge fan. I'm a yeah, gigantic fan of Daniel Craig. Uh, I even enjoyed his silly American accent in Knives Out, which is infinitely better than the one that he's doing here. It's I just, still ridiculous and terrible. Yeah, I think I was confused because his character is not terribly fleshed out. And he's not a character as far as I could tell that's like from the video games. I think he was made up for this movie. Because I was reading some of the trivia stuff and like they couldn't get his last name cleared and then so you, they made up a new last name. So I don't I think he's an original character to this movie. Hold on. They didn't make up a new last name. The director gave him yeah. his last name. OK, well, right. But they couldn't clear the original last they couldn't, name. No, they couldn't clear the original last name. So that leads me to believe that he's an original character for this movie. Why not make him British? Right. There's because also Ian Glenn is British and she's British. So. Making him an American was just a, it seems like that was just what they had in their head. And then they just got really fixated on it for no reason. Right. And rather than cast an American. Yeah, they, they cast Daniel Craig to do whatever it is he's doing. And then his character started out, he seemed like an advocate. Like, I, I really couldn't, I did not understand his relationship to Laura Croft because... It seemed contentious, but then she really cared about him at the end, and I wasn't entirely sure why. Yeah, I don't get it. 
because so spoilers, I guess. Uh, but he is stabbed at the end. He, well, a knife is thrown into his chest by Ian Glenn and he falls into the water in a w- motionless way that made me think he was dead, but then immediately starts thrashing around in the water to imply that he's not dead. But she really cares about that to the point that she wants to try to save his life. And I, I when I was watching it, I was like, why? <laughs> yeah, I, I had that question why a lot mm-hmm. watching this. So that's some of it. They they're trying to the triangle controls time. Did we cover that? I mean, we said Maybe. we kind of said that, but then this ending. I are we. I don't know. Is there? Am I jumping too far ahead? I don't know if there's other. No, go ahead. Said. But I so look. I love time travel stuff, and I'm usually I'm very forgiving about time travel stuff, and I'm usually a sucker for it. And I think you can do a lot of fun stuff. I didn't understand any of the rules of time travel how any of it worked it it felt like it was all introduced way too like they kind of mentioned it but like the rules they tried to bring up right at the end in the clip that we played john void is saying that you can't use it to bring him back which is what she wants to do but why that's not he just says you can't and he says she's stealing time but also this thing seems to exist to do that and also she does kind of use it sometimes and it maybe sends you to a weird ethereal plane but maybe it doesn't but also you can move knives around so they stab the person who threw them i would i don't understand what's happening at the end of this movie it didn't make a ton of sense like she was able to save daniel craig's life which she cared about for some reason (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, and then but yeah, so what happened? Ian Glenn throws a knife, and then it's in midair, and she, for some reason, also touches the blade with her hand and cuts her own hand, which didn't seem necessary. Yeah, see, that's the thing because knives don't have anywhere to hold on to. It's the big problem with knives; it's that's just why, all blade. That's why they got phased out for guns, is because people were like, "I'm tired of stabbing my own hand when I'm, I'm trying tired to of stab slicing people. my hand every time I want to use this knife." <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so she cuts her own hand up, and then. She also, so she spins it. So I get like, as best I can tell, she, she calls the knife. If you were watching this in real time, it's like she made the knife boomerang. Like he threw it and then she turned it 180 degrees. So it essentially threw it back at him and struck him. Yeah. But like, it doesn't make sense. Cause like, is the knife moving in the trajectory it was going? And so wouldn't spinning it just not change that? Right. That's what I like, did. Wouldn't it then start going? Well, uh, it, it all, well, none of what it should sense. happen, <laughs> what I would think should happen, which would have been, had I been consulted on this movie, which I should have been, uh, is it still would move towards Daniel Craig, but it should have, the handle should have hit first. him in the chest. Yeah. <laughs> and he should have just been like, like Ow. what? Yeah. Ooh. Like that. That seems like what should happen is it's still the momentum of it is still pushing it towards him, but she's made it so the blade is facing the other way. But apparently not. But you can do that, but you can't bring back John Voight. And also you can kill Ian Glenn that way, but then he comes back to fight you again. Well, because. I mean, it was pretty clear that the knife didn't hit any vital organs like it hit like like right below the clavicle so it didn't i guess was hard enough to knock him over but not murder him 
Yes. Even though he seemed like pinned to it the seemed ground. like it killed him one shot yeah yeah that's the thing both he and daniel craig played this like they died initially when they both were not supposed to have died initially either one of them yeah but they both fell to the ground like they were dead yeah. <sighs> i uh i don't know but either way ian glenn is thwarted and because he apparently had psychic control over all of his minions, mm-hmm. as soon as he was down, they just left. Yeah. They weren't in it for the cause. Fair. And then, this is, I think, the most nonsensical of the whole movie, and I know that that's a stretch. So the, the building, the, to- the tomb that they're in, they're raiding, starts to crumble. And... Lara Croft needs to make a daring escape. Mm-hmm. Luckily, there is the team of sled dogs, which she but the used sled to get is there. destroyed. And the sled's destroyed, which represents, as we all know, her childhood innocence. And that was uh, John Voight's last words were the name of the sled, which was Rosebud, uh, which he said as he dropped a snow globe foreshadowing the events that are happening in this movie. Uh, but yeah, so the sled is... Did you watch the director's cut? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, the, okay, and yeah. I watched the theatrical cut, that's why. Oh, yeah, they took all that out. They thought all it was too... the blatant too... <laughs> Citizen Kane ripoff didn't happen. <laughs> that's why they cut it, because they... You know, here's the thing, in their defense, they hadn't seen Citizen Kane. It was all parallel thought. And so then someone was like, are you doing an homage to Citizen Kane? And they were like, what is Citizen, Citizen Kane? Citizen what? Yeah, and then they sat down and watched the movie, and they were like, you know what? We should probably take this stuff out. So, yeah, so it didn't make the final cut. But I thought it was better for it. That's fair. Yeah. Um. Anyways, so she has the dogs pull her. Just her. Yep. And her very heavily treaded hiking boots slide effortlessly over this icy tunnel. Yeah. Yep. And also, Daniel Craig just disappears. He's alive, but we don't see him again. Because he got out before things started collapsing. But she doesn't, like, pass him or anything with no. her. And here's the most ridiculous part. Uh, is that... So she goes through a series of twists and turns and random tunnel things. And then finds a tunnel exit and smash cut back to her mansion. Yeah. Yeah. No, no what? follow-up questions. No, she, she editing. She made it out through editing. Oh, okay. She traveled by cut. No, it is funny that they felt the need to show the part with the dogs. Like, you could have just edited once they were safe. She could be back in her mansion. But you wanted to show her leaving to a point. Right. Yeah. One of the many uh. confounding... Uh, can we also, while we're in the Millennium portion, talk about the fact that I don't know if there was a fight. I don't know if there were two composers who had radically different visions, but half of this movie is scored with a, like, at the time, modern techno score, and the other half is scored with a very boring classic movie score, and they just pick one or the other to do at any given time it's all Graham Ravel baby <laughs> yeah because it's like like I I don't know that one was better than the other but like 
it draws a lot of attention to itself when it's doing the sort of techno, which is what they use for a lot of the fight scenes. It's sort of this like techno, you know, very like matrixy kind of yeah, well, score. And the other weird thing is there was also a, a fair amount of like non-diegetic pop music that was used as score too. Right. Like actual which, like songs by actual artists. Which seems like that should have been enough, right? You do the matrixy score when you need a score and then you use pop music for the rest. But then the like the whole final part when they're in that cave and we're doing all the time shenanigans, it's a very classic, forgettable movie score that they're using. Right. And I, and I don't know why. When it just should have been Where's Your Head At by Basement Jacks the entire time. Yeah. I mean, throw some Prodigy in there when in doubt. <laughs> like, yeah, why not? <laughs> I, I um, mean, Smack My Bitch Up would have been right at home at any scene in this it movie. Would not, I, it would not have felt out of place one yeah. bit. <laughs> so, man, look, you, you nitpicked that dog scene, but if she had grabbed the reins of the dogs and they like... You would have accepted it. Yeah. Crank my pitch up. Smack my bitch. Yeah. Yeah. It would have worked. Yeah. Or they could have just used X gun give it to you. As we've talked about before, when in doubt, always use X gun give it to you. Uh, also, I'm not editing these. Just to be clear, I, we keep saying this, but I'm, I'm not doing it. Like, I'm not going back. <laughs> no, into this one we're not doing. Yeah. So not don't. Cutting. <laughs> yeah. Don't either smack my bitch up or X gun give it to you into Tomb Raider. Yeah. Cut uh, to so, eight days later. <laughs> no, that's uh, look. Fan, if a fan out there wants to do it and send it to us, I'll I'll repost it. But I I have yes. better things to do with my time. I mean, I don't, but I'm still not going to do that. I don't either. But I was hoping if I said it, it would sound convincing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Really. I mean, really, this movie just ends up being a forgettable early aughts action flick yes with angelina jolie mm -hmm. yeah also i mean i don't know where to put this stuff but i i also don't think this movie should get a pass on talking about any of this before we pivot but uh they padded her bra because they didn't think that her breasts were large enough for because laura croft has double d's famously and, large like hilariously large and pointy boobs because of the polygon nature of graphics at the time yeah so that was sort of like a defining thing for her so angelina julie has very padded bras throughout this movie also there's a a scene where she showers and there's a ton of side boob yeah and yeah so like i'm just noting all of that just those in, are things that are in the movie in the maligning portion <laughs> i'm just i think that's they're not silver linings for sure <laughs> right so i just just want not those. say that angelina jolie isn't an absolutely gorgeous woman because she 100 percent is no i yeah her yeah for sure like she she's beautiful and i would say good casting for laura croft based on what laura croft looks like in the video games like i understand it mm-hmm do we could talk? Do we want to quickly mention to all of the uh, name actresses at the time who uh, turned down the role? And, it was all and the actresses or, and or uh, considered. So here, real quick, considered for the role was Elizabeth Hurley, Sandra Bullock, Ashley Judd, Christina Applegate, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, Nicole Eggert, Jennifer Love Hewitt, Kate Hudson, Jennifer Lopez, Gwyneth Paltrow, and Anna Nicole Smith were apparently all considered. I don't know how far they got. But 
Denise Richards, Charlize Theron, Uma Thurman, and Liv Tyler were all offered and turned down the role. I'm shocked Denise Richards turned this down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's and the only one I'm all shocked. All for the better for the movie, because she is not a good actress. No. Um, no, and I, I think Angelina Jolie is better casting for Laura I would Croft. say even than most of those names read. Yes. Yeah, well, a lot of them just wouldn't have been right for it. Catherine Zeta-Jones, she was another one that was considered. Yeah. I saw. She might have been okay. Yeah, but it's, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, also, uh, Rue McClanahan was also considered. Rue McClanahan screen tested. Uh, uh, that's something worth getting the DVD for. I'm just going to put it out there. Yeah, and the weird thing is she screen tested the shower scene. And, I, you yeah. know, like just for fun. And refused to put go back to the camera. Yeah, but it was like just, a whole, like... Again, this was another one of the much like the Citizen Kane thing. What ended up happening was they filmed a lot of scenes with Rue McClanahan and they actually filmed it in her original mansion looked exactly like the set from Golden Girls. And then so people were very confused. They were like, is this a, a Golden Girls action movie? And and not helping things. And then he's uh, like, what's Golden Girls? Yeah, he'd never heard of Golden Girls, but also B. Arthur was the butler originally. It was all a mess. Like it, it was. Just, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So they that's a different movie. <laughs> yeah. That should have been made. Maybe they yes. all rest in peace. Yes. With Estelle Getty as Noah Taylor's character. Mm -hmm. The tech genius that had no did nothing. Yeah. Also, not enough puzzles. I'm just going to throw that out there, too. I, again, not my area of expertise, but what I do know about Laura Croft is that it's a puzzle based, like kind of, you know, dungeon. Like a lot of these games are. Uh, there, there are traps and puzzles that you have to navigate. And there's like the it. one scene where she she does solve it and Ian Glenn and Daniel Craig and all of them are going to die. And she saves them by being like, hey, idiots up here. But then uh, that's it. She also, while, while it's great that that's how she figures out where the thing goes, <laughs> she also gets in the tomb by what might be a hallucination taunting her and then a Looney Tune slash Alice in Wonderland falling down a hole into the exact spot that she lands on. Yep. It's a good active choice for the protagonist to absolutely. You want the protagonist to be completely ballast to the action of the movie. Yeah, take a screenwriting class and they're like, when in doubt, magoo your main character into the room. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pivot. Okay. Because it's going to be short. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think we already kind of touched on it, but I liked Angelina Jolie as Laura Croft. I, yeah, I mean, I think you kind of said it. I don't think anyone else would have been better and I don't think that any of the problems of the movie have anything to do with her. I think that she is doing fine. <laughs> like, and I think that she proved herself as a bankable action star. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and has done a lot of like done wanted and Mr. And Mrs. Smith and other gone, movies that are in, action based. Gone in 60 seconds that we did on the show. In 60 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Wanted um, the future episode of this podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I think, uh, 
I thought like, and you know, we kind of, I think poo pooed it, but I think she did nail the accent. She, you know, I mean, her accent's fine. Yeah, it's, it's, not. it's was, not. It's more. I think I wanted to point out that she was doing a British accent while Daniel Craig was doing a very bad American accent. But her accent's fine. Yeah, no, it's. um, It seems believable. It like it seems like a lived in accent. It's not like she's just putting she just put it on for the first time on the first day of set. Like. She did the accent well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, That's mine. <laughs> I liked when she was doing the bungee action stuff. That scene was great. That was a good action yeah, scene. I enjoyed that scene. Why that was she was doing was... the bungee ballet before that, I don't know. Yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know. And I don't even know that I understand the logic of the bungee ballet, but it looked cool. And so in a movie that uh, a lot of it felt forgettable, that was that part was cool. No, that that scene was definitely cool. Um, I'll look. I'll say it too. It's the second time he's come up this month. Uh, you know, he's he's sort of had it rough. To, but like Ian Glenn, I get it. I get why you cast him as your not subtle British villain dude in these movies. Can twirl one hell of a mustache with no facial hair. Yeah. No. He's he's good. He's very smarmy. Uh, he 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 i got it i the second i saw him and he said a line of dialogue in a boardroom in his first scene i was like well that's the villain obviously yeah, clearly he's the bad guy yeah so so no i i enjoyed his work a lot yeah i think um i, I mean honestly like the action is good throughout this movie like a lot of it is pretty forgettably shot and framed. Yeah, I mean, and, but it's like... And it also suffers from... This is 2001, and it's trying to use CGI, and some of the CGI is okay, and some of it is not good. Some, Well, that's... I mean, we could go back to the maligning, but some of those uh, rock monsters had a very Ray Harryhausen feel to them. Yeah. And not so much that it was like an intentional homage. Yeah, not like the Citizen Kane stuff. <laughs> no. The Citizen Kane stuff was definitely a parallel thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, but we're in the silver linings. Yeah, I mean, Angelina Jolie is a good star. Ian Glenn is a good villain. John Voight must be a good actor because they seemed like a happy father and daughter. <laughs> Kudos to both of them for trying to find some emotional memory to connect to. To yeah. feel like they cared about each other and miss them when they're gone. No, there's like if you knew nothing about their real life relationship, they actually seem to really care about each other in this movie. So that that's something. I will say one thing, and it is getting back to the line, but just seemed a weird choice. Is like even on his tombstone, it said like lost or like lost in the field, not dead, just lost. So I was sure he was still alive. It seemed like everything in this movie was leading to the idea that he was still alive. It leading to like a Mr. Livingston, I presume, moment. Yeah, 100%. Like I got that impression, too. I thought I thought she was going to find him because it, it also very much seemed like he left her clues to find him. Like, I right. thought, yeah, I thought we were getting like a wrinkle in time or something like that, which is a, another movie with time stuff in it that made sense. Yeah, and way better than this movie. <laughs> yes, which we also did an episode on, so you can listen to that too. But we, yeah, the, yeah we both so, really liked that one. 
And we did both. That's one of our most well-liked movies, I think. One For of the sure. nice surprises of the pod. Yes. Uh, um, but yeah, like it, it seemed like he should have been alive and then he wasn't. Also, I don't, this isn't maligning it or a silver lining, but why was the picture in his locket Linda Carter? <laughs> was that just an Easter egg? And if so, why? I don't have a good answer for that. Um, I'm going to believe in the absence of a better explanation that canonically that is not meant to be Lara Croft's mother. That in fact, on his long trek, he just was a big Wonder Woman fan. And so, Wonder like, Woman. so he met uh, he met Linda Carter at a con and he just had a, a, a like he got a headshot of hers and then he like got a copy he of that. He just bought and put a three by five and cut it out and put it in a locket. Yeah. So, the, but yeah, that happened. I mean, there was that scene where Lara Croft's like, I don't remember mom looking like Linda Carter. Yeah. And oh, never mind, my <laughs> darling. <laughs> but you should really check out that Wonder Woman show. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, hey, look, we've, so we've done before a, a kind of a reoccurring theme. If you've, if you've listened to every episode, you know, often... A silver lining on our show is love. A lot, of, a lot of people they they act in movies and they meet their love of their life. So the movie might not be well received, but they they met someone that uh, you know they they spent the rest of their life with or whatever. Like that's always a nice thing. Definitely. Is, so we kind of like sort of akin to that. Angelina Jolie. One of the things that got her to sign on this for this movie is that she really loved the idea that they were filming in Cambodia uh, where she wanted to visit. Uh, she actually fell in love with Cambodia. She moved there to help with a minefield cleanup. And then that is where she eventually adopted her first son, Maddox. That's a nice story. That is definitely a nice story. And that did happen because of this movie. Um, and that really, I think, in a lot of ways, kickstarted Angelina Jolie's like international humanitarianism too. Yeah. So, I mean, you could argue that she's put as much or more effort over the last ten years into humanitarianism as opposed to acting. Well, yeah, I mean, she's essentially retired from acting at this point. You know, like she Other still than does. Maleficent. Yeah, like she does little stuff here and there, but for the most part, she is you know very sparse how much she shows up on screen. Yeah, and I'm, some of that's because she made a ton of money and doesn't need to work. And other is that she does a lot of humanitarian stuff um, for developing nations. Uh, and I know I think two of her four kids are adopted from various countries. I mean, I don't know the numbers, but yeah, she's she's adopted a variety of kids from <laughs> different places. Which you can do what you will with that information. But yeah. either way. Uh, I, I think that is I think that is a nice add on to this movie that she, that is something that she did. I think that's good. Yeah. So I think that's where we're at with this. Yeah. I, I, I mean, maybe if we played the games, we could have more to pick at. But again, it had a completely original idea that's never been used in a video game. And that's something. Maybe that's a silver lining, too. So. This is it. So this is our, like, as we said at the top, this is our final video game movie. I know that you personally, you 
I mean, I was into it too, but I, I think it's fair to say that you pushed harder for us to have yes, a video I, game I agree month with that, yeah. uh, than I did. So how are you feeling at the end of video game month? Um, I would say I feel, feel pretty good. Um, I think it's interesting looking into, I think video games put it into even starker relief how different media aren't as like A to A transferable. Uh, cause you like video, video, the appeal of video games, especially in the modern era is, um, the stories, right? And you'd think that like movies are a storytelling medium. So why wouldn't video games make good movies? And they're different. They're very different because movies are essentially passive on the role of the viewer you know that you're watching things happen whereas a video game you're actively moving your way through the story mm-hmm. so i think that's part of it um and you know video games are if nothing else even the most advanced ones are still reasonably repetitive yeah i think and, that that was and that uh, would get old in a movie yeah i that was the gears of war I, I wish i had the quote in front of me but i remember one of the creators of gears of war said that there, it was like there's really only like a handful of actions that you're just going to do over and over again in a video game. So the, the goal was to make them be really fun. So that's why, like, in that game, the way that you reload or the way that you chainsaw people, like, it's, yeah, there's always going to be, like, a handful of things that you do that are the things in a game. Uh, and we, we may have more buttons now, but it's still, there's only so many, you know. And it's, yeah, like, I really like playing games like, street fighter or mortal Kombat, but that doesn't make a good movie because it's just two it's a side view of two people punching each other right with the story doesn't so yeah i think there are different story requirements you know you really even with cut scenes and even though i think a lot of video games have really wonderful stories and really deep stories and sometimes emotional stories like and i honestly i think resident evil has a pretty complex and cool story to those games and such but it's still it plays like the the beats are different. The way you're going to get the information is different. How much you're willing to sit there and watch cutscenes in a movie or in a video game versus a movie are are very so that yeah they they're just two very different things, and I think that's difficult. And I yeah I definitely feel like what I've discovered is that games that I like if you like a game that doesn't really mean that it could translate. And there are probably games that you might not. Like, I personally might not be as into, but might make better movies for whatever reason, you know, but like, cause like I love Super Mario Brothers turned out that didn't make it great. <laughs> yeah. And I'm curious cause there is like a CGI Super Mario Brothers on the horizon. I'm curious about when we're going to be talking about that on the podcast. I think like 2023. Yeah. Probably around there. That sounds about right. Um, yeah. And I mean. I think I 100% get why a studio would want to try to adapt a video game because it's a built-in audience. You're, you know, you're, it's, it seems a pretty safe bet. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's IP baby. Yeah. <laughs> and there, I mean, there are movies based on video games that are a lot of fun. Uh, the detective Pikachu movie. I thoroughly enjoyed there. Mm-hmm. The resident evil movies. There's a couple of really good ones. Um, That's it. It's just those. But, just those yeah <laughs> I, I i i mean i i can't call it a good movie but i love the 1994 or five whatever mortal Kombat movie 
Yeah. Yeah, the Mortal Kombat movie is fun. The new Mortal Kombat movie was fun. Yeah, I dug that too, actually. Yeah, it was it was not flawless by any stretch, but I did I did enjoy it and definitely like popped really big when Scorpion shows like get over here. Yeah, like no, and I think that's the stuff too, is that you want to get those nods in, but it's finding ways to you know, again, you don't, I think that's it. There's just a very, in a weird way, like video game movies, they kind of have the same thing with sequels or anything that's established of like, you can't veer too far from the formula that it's unrecognizable, but also you can't just do the same thing that you do it, in the game. It's a, it's a, a tough row for sure. And I've heard the Sonic movie is really good, but I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen, seen that one yet, but I, I've heard good things. I know they're getting a sequel and I know that Idris Elba is going to be in it. So it's going to be great. Yeah, he's he can do no wrong. Because when you do follow-ups to movies and you put Idris Elba in them, what I've found is that they're better than those original movies. Yeah, without without exception. I think yeah. that's an accurate <laughs> statement. So, uh, you know, but yeah, so we, we did Video Game Month. I think that's about it for us. Uh, you know, check back in next week to find out. We got a new month and we got a new set of movies that we're going to be silver lining. It's going to be great. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think we kind of teased it here, but we're starting out Citizen Kane. We're finally, we're going to find something. That festering turd of a movie. Yeah. Look, William Randolph Hearst really hated it, but we're going to try to dig a little deeper than we would have. We're going to try to find something to like about it. Yeah. I mean, the Academy ignored it, but like, we're going to try to see if there's like any value. It's no Paddington (laughs) 2. But, but what is Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. We have to ask. It's a podcast where we answer the question, are you going to eat that? What will you leave behind? Why get out of bed? Will you be our neighbor? I'm Marty. And I'm Jonathan. We're two hosts. Infinite Universes. We, we have, have to, to ask. ask. New interviews every Tuesday. Find us on iTunes or online at wehavetoask.com or with the other great podcasts on the Peak Sloth Network at peaksloth.com. Peaksloth.com.